This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard. Hi, my name is Joyce Kim. I am the Chief Product Officer for Rare Beauty. And what I love about beauty is that it's basically a form of self-love. I think it's just so intimate and personal to each individual and ultimately a form of self-expression. Hi, I'm Katie Welch. I'm the Chief Marketing Officer for Rare Beauty. And what I love about beauty is beauty is a passion point. It's a place where people can express themselves. It's a place where it's something that makes people happy. And what's what I personally love about it the most is that the fact that I was able to build a career in something that I love so much. From New York City, you're listening to Beauty Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the beauty industry. So this is Karen Moon with Beauty Is Your Business, and today we are here with Joyce Kim and Katie Welch of Rare Beauty. So excited to have you guys. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. (laughs) And we're also joined with my amazing co-host, Abby Wallach. Great to be here. Nice to meet you. And April Franzino. So excited to chat today. Um, So I'm so excited to hear more about the origin story behind Rare Beauty, uh, which is a mission-driven band created by Selena Gomez. Can you guys share, maybe Joyce, if you can kick off a little bit about the product development process and what that was like, how it started, and maybe how this was unique to your past experiences? Yes, sure. Um, Previous to Rare, I was with NYX Professional Makeup, and that was a brand that I started at, you know, it was already had been launched and, you know, been around for almost, gosh, 12 years when I started, but it was quite small. And I stayed with that brand um, for eight years and saw it grow and globalize. So it was a little different, well, very different than with Rare, where we were really starting with an amazing founder, but really locking down, you know, brand positioning, brand voice white space that we were trying to fill, um, especially, you know, in a time where beauty is just um, huge. It's, you know, to be transparent, it's crowded, it's always um, evolving, barriers of entry are low, but really um, trying to build a brand that first and foremost is authentic to Selena Gomez and really is capturing a need that's in the market. And so the product development process was really fun and organic. You know, the first time I met Selena was really trying to understand her perspective on beauty and on product. And so I came with thousands, literally, of dollars of just brands from all different price points, um, brands speaking to many different customers, just to get an idea of what her experience was with just product, but also with different brands and, you know, um, consumers. And the amazing thing was she's so, um, I mean, what she comes across as is exactly how she is. She's very warm, personable, and um, very, you know, honest about things. And what I loved is, you know, her perspective was I've been sitting in a makeup chair since I was, you know, six years old. And so she's just been used to people, you know, putting things on her face, going through transformations, really um, going through the process of sitting in a chair for so long. And she's also very personally connected with a group of women that are her very closest friends, who she has normal conversations with, as you would with your peers. And that involves things in beauty that involves, you know, things in entertainment, things in, you know, books, reading music, all that. But when it comes to beauty, what I think how women generally, women and men generally discover new brands, obviously, is from social media, through through magazines, through online and everything, but a lot of just word of mouth of trying things with your friends in a bathroom as you're getting ready to go out when we used to do those kinds of things. But, you know, saying, oh, I just bought this new lipstick and I love how it feels. And that's how her awareness of, you know, brands and product was, is things that her makeup artist used on her that she loved or things that her friend that she was her roommate gave her a lip gloss that she enjoyed, you know, and shared it with her. And so that first product development process was really hearing about 
her experience with product and beauty in general, how she discovers new brands, what leaps and jumps out at her that makes her feel a connection with the product. And then um, really understanding how sensorial beauty is to her, how she really puts makeup on with her hands and touches formulas and how that's a huge part of how she wanted her new brand to um, capture and feel like. Sorry for the long convoluted answer. No, amazing. Thank you. Yeah, and sure. then Katie would love to hear from your perspective as well. I mean, I know you've been CMO at a number of like amazing successes like Hourglass and Bliss. And I'm just curious, you know, to start marketing for a brand that is launching with, you know, a big splash in Sephora and obviously with a, a well-known celebrity. How did you think about the marketing strategy? Yeah. And the purpose so, of the brand. Being able to help crystallize with Selena what sort of the mission and the vision of the brand is and then bring that to life was the chance of a lifetime. It's something that I've always been very passionate about is not only just storytelling, but then be, being able to really bring to life a founder story, but then a founder story with meaning was so, so exciting to me. So sitting down with Selena to uncover why she wants to do this, help to create Rare Impact, which is Rare Impact is Rare Beauty's commitment to addressing mental health with a specific focus on underserved communities. It, it was more than just a marketing plan, I guess. it's It was really defining the brand purpose, mission, and vision. And then being able to say, okay, from a marketing perspective, how do we tell this story? How do we bring this to life? Yes, with Selena and then beyond. And so that was... I loved it. I mean, it's, it's just been, it's been super rewarding because we've been able to reflect exactly what I, th I think we've been able to bring to market exactly what Selena was envisioning. She didn't set out to create a makeup brand because she said, I want to have a makeup brand. She said, I want to do something that can really make an impact and do something different. And she was able to do that. Yes. With, with rare beauty and these incredible products that are easy to use and are great to help facilitate self-expression. But in addition to that, something that empowers our community to challenge beauty norms and help to shape positive conversations around self-acceptance and mental health. That has been remarkable and it's remarkable to see. So I'm interested in talking a little bit more about the products themselves, because I feel like there's some unique formulations and packaging. How much did Selena get into that? You know, Joyce, obviously you brought a ton to the table, literally when they were being formulated. <laughs> yeah. So what makes them different from what's on the market right now? Well, first and foremost, Selena's been so actively involved in everything from, I mean, from day one, it was like, okay, what do we want our packaging to look like? You know, and it was literally, you know, her pulling up her Pinterest board and showing us, you know, projects that she's worked on, the things that have been inspiring to her and really thinking about, you know, my job was to bring I guess the industry expertise of really understanding what's happening behind, you know, the curtain of like what works best or what categories are strongest, you know, what builds loyalty among customers, that kind of thing, and really guide her through that process. And then obviously the nuts and bolts of figuring out where we're producing the products and timelines and all of that. But the real true inspiration was taking these brainstorming moments we had with her, really pulling out the, the nuggets of like, oh, this is what is important to her. This is really compelling and something that we can do differently. And first and foremost, what was important to her was really weightlessness in formulas, that everything should be almost mistake proof. Like you don't have to be a professional makeup artist. You can be a complete novice coming into the brand and know that, you know, you shouldn't feel overwhelmed. You shouldn't feel like you need 12 different products to look a certain way. Um, it's really about owning that self-expression and all of the uniqueness that your own features provide. And so everything was about really, she, she personally was like, I don't like a cakey feeling or heaviness that comes with makeup. And she, you know, doing campaign shoots, walking the red carpet, you know, inherently there's just a lot of formulas. If, you know, you need that efficacious, like long wearing product claim that things tend to feel a little bit heavier. So the hardest thing was really working on formulations that had that lightweight 
feels like your it's your natural skin feeling, but it has the performance that someone like her, whether she's deciding to wear out, you know, shopping for groceries or whether she's on the red carpet or doing a campaign shoot, that it's essentially feels like her natural self. And so we really applied that. And that was the most challenging part when it comes to formulations and applying that to all the different categories. And secondly, or even more important, was really being diverse and having inclusivity in terms of shade representation. That was number one, hands down. You know, if we have to have more shades of complexion because it need, some, everyone needs to feel welcome and there's something for everybody's skin tone, then we need to do that, you know, and it doesn't matter what that looks like from an operational perspective, which, you know, is all conversations that come with the beauty business. But that was something that needed to be done in complexion for sure. So uh, something I just want to add to what Joyce was saying, it was so exciting about the products that Selena and Joyce created, the weightlessness that it's not no makeup makeup, it's easy to use. So what we've found, because we are so close with our community and listening to them is that they appreciate the things that aren't intimidating. And so it's more accessible. You know, yes, there is an accessibility in price point. And yes, there's an accessibility with the shade range, but then also there's an accessibility with the artistry level. It's not something that we're at saying that, okay, you have to be this sort of super experienced makeup artist to be able to apply these products. They're really easy to use. And what's been kind of cool to see is the response from the community that seasoned pros love the product. Seasoned beauty creators, Alyssa Ashley, who is an incredibly talented beauty creator and photographer, she has been raving about the foundation that she loves the quality. So it's, I think Selena was able to create something that's, that performs, but that's easy to use, which is a real differentiation in the market. I'd love to learn a little bit more about the community. She has such a great following, you know, and she has such an avid fan base. How has the community evolved? Was it originally, you know, her followers and her fans? Because that's always such an important conversation when you're building a brand, right? And and that game has changed so much in in sure. every industry, especially beauty. So that sure, would be sure. very interesting to learn about. Yeah, I think initially the community, certainly that was interested. We, we first announced the brand at the beginning of the year. And, you know, those initially interested uh, were probably her fans is what we saw. And her fans are incredible and wonderful and so kind and like-minded to her. And as the brand grew, as we got to know our community, as we spoke about the brand more and our mission and our vision, more and more people joined our community who were, yes, interested in beauty and these interesting beauty products. And how is she going to bring to life her expertise from her years in the chair to Sephora? And then also people who are interested in sort of these conversations around self-acceptance and mental health. And that was an entirely new community. It's been, that actually has been one of the most rewarding parts of all of Rare Beauty is getting to know our community. And because it's not just, they're not just Instagram followers, truly. Like we really think of them as our friends. We do weekly calls with them. We had one this morning, a Zoom call where we get to know the community so that we can, it's not just for like, like a product research point of view, but truly the brand, if we want to help people feel welcome or we want this brand to to encourage a sense of community or foster a sense of connection. The best way to do that in lieu of getting together and in a time that we're in today, it's tough to get together in person, but we can do it digitally. So we've been doing we've been doing virtual events and opportunities where just creating opportunities that create connection. So whether it's a weekly Zoom call with our community that then they meet one another. So that's been pretty special to be able to create a community that not only loves the brand and that we can then provide resources and you know things that help to not only help with the mental health to help direct them in different directions, but then also provide them a connection with another person. And we're seeing them become friends with one another. We're seeing the conversation in DMs on Instagram. We're seeing it in the comments where they 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 love one another and they've become friends. And that's, that's cool. Abby, to your question around community, part of Rare Impact, which I mentioned is our commitment to addressing mental health. We think about it in three ways. We think about it with our community and sort of 
this the strength and the power of our the community and then creating that sense of connection but then also it's the messaging and it's the resources that we put out around mental health so whether it's something that's working with some of our partners like NAMI which is the National Alliance of Mental Illness and then we will do a series on Instagram that talks about uh let's say loneliness and that it's okay to feel lonely but then at the same time then we will do education around that same feeling. So our community is not only are we trying to foster this sense of connection, but they have been just as welcoming to us as we want to be to them. So that's just been really nice. One of my favorite things to do is just take to Twitter and respond to the community and see what they're saying, whether it's Twitter, whether it's Instagram, whether it's TikTok. But in my career, I've never seen such a positive, supportive community. And that is Part of that is because of Selena and she's so open and honest with her fans. But then also I think it's because of the relationship that we fostered with with our community. That That's really amazing and such a tribute to who she is and the brand that you're building. So yeah. my other question is because each medium is so unique, right? We you have yeah. TikTok, you have Instagram, every single one has its own way of being in the world. They're not yeah. all equal and all the content isn't the same, right? So how do you, do, are you finding different audiences and different mediums or do they all come together in different moments? That would be an interesting conversation. Uh, the audiences are, are they different? I kind of, they're not really. A lot of them are the same because, and I say this anecdotally because I, I've gotten to know and I, like, I see the same names and it's the same people. <laughs> so a lot of them, some of the real super fans are across channels. So there are certain individuals that we I see on Instagram and I see them on Twitter and then now they're starting to follow us on TikTok as well. So it's a it's a mix of yes and no. Now the content, the content does modify by channel to make sure that it sort of fits the language and the medium. But the people are our, our community is pretty tight and, and they follow us across all channels. So sometimes there's a lot of consistency. That's fantastic. It's great. You know, actually building on, on that and, and content just in general would love to pick your marketing brain. You know, it's interesting how we think of TikTok is one target demo. And then there's, you know, a type of content that is just, you know, arise as a result, which is more carefree, fun, humorous. But then the interesting thing is as people started sharing that, you know, TikTok on Instagram, we have reels. It's almost like at least with certain beauty influencers that their content has changed even yeah. on Instagram. Like, I'm just yeah. curious if you've seen that. I'm thinking about a few in particular, but like what patterns you're seeing there across channels. I think, you know, it's interesting. I think it's very easy to say to, to about TikTok, oh, people are, you just got to dance or you have to do macro or you have to do ASMR. And that's actually incorrect. Like it's so far from the truth. And I think the best way to learn about any of these platforms is to experience it yourself. I can't emphasize that enough because what you'll see is once you start to really pay attention is that there are different themes that come to, that rise to the occasion. And then once you see those themes, whether they're trending themes or they're bigger sort of content themes, then, then you say, okay, what's relevant to the brand and the story that we're trying to tell and how do we fit within that versus just saying, okay, we got to get a bunch of people in the office to do a dance. Because I think that at one point was the way for TikTok maybe a year and a half ago. But, but now if you see something that I think is really interesting is hashtag learn on TikTok. And it's TikTok's initiative to create educational content, you know, because when you think about, are they trying to steal share from YouTube? Perhaps. Why do people go to YouTube to, for entertainment and for education? You, go, you, you search on YouTube, okay, how do I create a smoky eye? How do I boil water? I'm joking. But that's where a lot of the audience is. And then of course, obviously there's entertainment. Well, TikTok can mimic that same thing. So TikToks, yes, there's entertaining, there's funny content, and there's also opportunities to learn. And so there's educational content. Now it all has to be short form. And the key to having the successful content on each of these mediums, be it Reels, be it Instagram, be it TikTok, is really coming up with, okay, what's the cadence? What's the length? What's the content that continues to get those views? And it's not, what's different is it's not a sure thing every time. And so as a brand, how do you take that information knowing that? It's like, okay, so if we, what can we do as a brand that's educational? What can we do as a brand that's entertaining? And you just gotta 
kind of let let go and do it and see what works because what you'll find is that you're not going to knock it out of the park every time but nor do the nor do the content creators and i think what's interesting is if you go back and look on the on their pages you'll see some accounts regardless of the millions of followers well, I mean, I guess if you're Addison Ray or, or, or a D'Amelio sister, it's different, but you don't always get the millions of millions of views or millions of likes, but you just put out another one. And I think it's, it's interesting to approach it that way from a brand. It's fun because it's hard and you have to be agile and you have to be creative and you have to not worry that you're not putting the right brand foot out there because that's not the point. It, the point is just to really see how your message can land. The other thing that's interesting for all of us in beauty is, you know, on Instagram and Instagram Reels, you're following specific people. So yes, they're following the brand. Yes, you're following individual beauty creators or media outlets. And you're saying, okay, most likely you will reach their audience. But with TikTok, as you know, there's two tabs, following and for you. So most likely, most people spend more time on the for you page. And the only way you get on the for you page is if you're creating that great engaging content that has been shared, that has been likes, that has comments. So just because you might be a brand that has a million followers on TikTok, but that doesn't mean that those million people are really going to take the time to switch from their for you page to their following page to see your content. So again, it's all about that individual content, which sort of, you know, that makes you think about influencer marketing in a different way. That makes you think about so many things in a different way. Well, it's really all about the algorithms, right? Because you never know and the consistency of constantly putting it out there and putting your message, whatever that message may be. And consistency, honestly, it comes back to the content because we have a piece of content that we put out a couple weeks ago. And it was a macro shot of an eye of one of our uh, makeup artists applying our Perfect Strokes liquid liner. And it was a cool shot. It's not overly retouched. It's, it's real. It's, it's really just a macro shot of her applying the eyeliner. And it's reached 4 million views. Now, we have almost 200,000 followers on TikTok. Hopefully, by the time this airs, there's more. But that that piece, what I, the reason why I'm bringing up that one piece is that that piece, by the time this airs, will have even more views. And that was so hard to predict. But what's cool about TikTok is that will continue to grow. Yes, it's the algorithm, but it's more that 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 one, that shot. Now, then we said, okay, so is that what we need to do? Is that the magic? Do we continue to do these macro shots? And we've done another one. And have they performed to the same level? Because there is no, there's no playbook for it. The playbook is you got to listen, you got to learn, and you got to test. Absolutely. Yeah. And you got to just let go. You can't worry because someone will be like, that doesn't look like the brand. But TikTok, that's not TikTok. That's not the language, you know? Yeah. It's really about the entertainment value and the fun and the, you know, but there is an opportunity for the learning, I think, too. I like what you said about that. There's a huge, because there's such a global audience, you can really, especially with what you guys are doing, such strong messaging, so important, could be really helpful. Totally. Love I that. I, I love that. What if you could tell your story? The story of your brand, your product, the compelling story of the sourcing of materials or ingredients, or even tips for getting the best use out of your products. What if you could engage your consumer, amplify their experience? or even improve conversion or initiate sales at points they don't usually happen? What if you could connect with your consumer wherever they happen to be? In the store, on your website, in the bathroom, or even on the go? What would that be worth to you? It's time you learned about StoryDot from Mouth Media Network. Short-form audio stories consumers can access with their smartphone in brick-and-mortar locations, on physical product, or even embedded into your website. It's where commerce, advertising, and the consumer meet. Being competitive requires every advantage you can implement. So discover StoryDot today at www.storydot.com. That's www.storydot.com. 
www.thepetshow.com. So now that the brand's been out in the world for a little while, what have been the surprise hits and misses amongst the product assortment that kind of you guys weren't expecting? Gosh, it's been a total roller coaster. I mean, I don't think anyone expected that when we were launching our brand that we would be in the middle of a global pandemic. You know, when I mentioned about just product assortment in general, you know, we really were leaning heavily in complexion, A, to show diversity, B, to show really we love our foundation formula. It's so different than what we've seen in the market. It's just so buildable in coverage. It feels wonderful putting it on. It's a loyalty category where you know, people really, once they love their foundation, they stick with that, um, that product for a long time. And, you know, given that with foundation, it's also the most complex, you have to shade match and every person has a different experience. And a lot of that is done in store. You are used to going into a store, testing, having the beauty advisor, you know, choose the shade for you and not being able to shop in store because of this pandemic really changed, you know, what were those hero categories that um, performed best for us and our soft pinch liquid blush that's in both a dewy and matte um, finish was really shockingly a big hero category that um, just came out of nowhere. And, you know, liquid blush has been around for a long time, but it's never the number one selling category for any launch. And for us, this is a really unique formula. It's got a little bit of moosiness to the body for the matte formula. It blends out um, really to a nice soft finish. It has loads of pigment. And so to see this take off was so unexpected. Um, But I mean, going through the process of like building content, I mean, Selena did all of the education videos for um, Sephora with using every product, talking through application. She did those literally with an iPhone duct taped to her vanity mirror on selfie mode, (laughs) recording her applying these products. And, you know, she wanted to do them herself because she, we had all of these grandiose plans of in-person, you know, education, you know, meetings and all this, because for her, she wanted to connect with the Sephora community so much because, you know, they are representing the brand as well on floor and not being able to do that because we're all, you know, in quarantine was really hard for her. And so she wanted to have that personal element with creating these videos herself and watching her go through, you know, application, application. Like there was a moment, um, Mehdi, who's our chief digital officer, was watching all this content. And I think he said this like maybe a month or two before launch was like, I have a feeling the blush might do better than we expect because she's loving applying it. And you're seeing how much, you know, just a hint of color on your cheeks really changes your disposition and how you look. And, you know, and he was like, she looks so fresh and alive and just like happy and stuff that, you know, we might be surprised with that. And I, you know, I probably owe him a nice dinner because he really, I was like, really, but it's such a, it's a hard category to like invent and be innovative in. And so um, that's just been super pleasing to see our liquid blush do so well. Yeah. It's amazing. I really, I've just played with it and it's, I can't wait to try it on my face. Yeah. A little goes a long way. I'm going to tell you that right now. Yeah, for sure. It's such a different formula. Like she really, it was, she knocked it out of the park with this one. It's so, it was, it's so unexpected. And I think that's, what's hard. How do you stand out in a sea of sameness? There's so many brands, there's so much product that innovation is key. And this blush in both the dewy and the matte formulas is so unique and so different. It's not only is it unlike what someone may already have in their vanity, but it really performs. So when you have those two things, it's different and it really, really works. I mean, that's the formula. That's the magic. I'm really curious about the packaging too, because there's a lot of different types of shapes Mm -hmm. that you don't always see. And I kind of makes it, like you said, it's hard to stand out in a sea of like tubes and compacts, but these really do manage to stand out. You know, they're, they've got these like nice rounded tops and very, very interesting. What, what was behind that? Well, we knew from, and this is like more of the industry expertise side, we were like in a sea of sameness to um, reiterate what Katie said was, how does one brand become recognizable and ownable and on the shelf, especially, or in someone's vanity when so many people are posting pictures of their makeup haul, you know, how do you stand out? How does something 
you know, and I think Rihanna and Fenty Beauty did it so well with, you know, launching with, I think the hexagon shape became so iconic to their brand that like any other brand, if they try to do anything like that, it's so iconically like that's what Fenty Beauty was. And, you know, and we learned from that and saying like, you know, there's more brands launching more than ever. Like, how are we going to differentiate ourselves in a physical space so that, you know, someone sees something and iconically it becomes rare. With the early brainstorming ideas of how Selena wanted the packaging to look, she was like, you know, I want it to look fresh. I don't want it to look too young because, you know, we recognize that beauty is consumed by women and men of all different ages. And so she wanted something that, you know, was elegant, but not too overbearing or serious. And so even down to the color and everything is just she wanted something to feel feminine and fresh that someone would grow with and, you know, continue to love. And so, you know, all of our edges are really soft. I think we brought femininity into that. We love the rounded curves. So there you'll see the, you know, the rounded ball on top of the foundation, or we call it internally like a Skittle or a Mento on top of the concealer and the blush. And in terms of colors, we wanted to use a hint, a hit of gold, because at the very beginning, when we talked about what does this brand mean, we came across this concept called wabi-sabi, which is um, a Japanese like art of pottery. And basically what how they see this is that, you know, when plates or pots and things become broken in ceramic, instead of discarding them because they're broken, they would fuse all the pieces together with, um, you know, metals like golds or silver and then celebrate the new product it became. So it was really finding the beauty in imperfections and what that could mean. And so that was really rooted very beginning of like, okay, how do we love the concept of this, of finding the beauty and imperfections and really becoming something new and how do we translate this? And so, you know, we use the gold as hits of color, just as a reminder, you know, that's a little tidbit. I don't think we've even really talked about of as a, like a little reminder of like, oh, that's bringing broken pieces perhaps together, you know, into something new. And so that's where the gold came in from. So love that. It goes without saying too with, I mean, from a marketing perspective to have the unique shapes, the recognizable shapes. I mean, I do think the New York Times just did a piece that's very, sort of, very interesting. Sort of fun, maybe at that. the word thumb stopping. However, there's some validity to the word that if you have these images that are these products that then when someone takes the photo, be it the brand, be it a community member or a creator, that's recognizable. That helps so much. In marketing right now, it's you can't it's push marketing is dead. You can't push out images to people. You can't push out messages. So to be able to have these recognizable bottles, components that then help tell your brand story, even as he or she is putting the makeup on, not just sort of a flat layer or a vanity shot, that is so valuable. It's very difficult to do that if you have a component that looks like you can slap on any brand name. So to develop these brand codes and cues that are built into the packaging is so important these days. So true. And it is like, it does catch your eye when you see it in person, whether you're seeing it on the screen, it's really, really neat. I'm also curious, what have some of the biggest unexpected challenges been in launching this brand? Whether from the product formulation standpoint to actually, you know, marketing it, whatever it might be. Was there anything that was like, oh, geez, we didn't see this coming? Yeah, the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Outside the of the obvious. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that yeah. really, that was That's our biggest, one. that would I mean, uh, like most brands. But the hard part is when you're launching a brand new brand at Sephora, there's a lot that's required to go into it. So a lot of content that needs to be created. Everything, you go to a website and you think about, okay, that product page, there's a lot that's on that product page that we have to create. And we had a lovely plan to do it all. And Joyce mentioned we had probably five different photo shoots with Selena, without Selena, product, individual product shots. And it all just went out the window because we couldn't we we couldn't do them, obviously. But the show must go on, as they say. So we had to still create content because especially now more than ever, we needed to create content for e-commerce that would tell the story of the product, how to use it, of the brand. But yet we didn't have all of the traditional resources that we would have liked to have to do it. I could use the word in the right way, but honestly, what ended up happening was great. Like it was the content that we created with Selena and her phone duct taped to a mirror. It was so much more real and 
and truly authentic, not authentic in a way that people throw around the word authenticity, but truly authentic of like, this is Selena and the way she does her makeup, uh, the way that we could then reflect it into a piece that would go on a product page or in an ad that really worked. But one of the interesting hurdles when you have 48 shades of foundation and concealer, you would like to show what the products look like on the 48 different skin tones so that someone can, when they're shopping online or shopping in store, they can say, okay, I, you know, if I can't test this, I want to, I, this person sort of looks like me, maybe I'll try the shade or around that, you know, the, the photo plus the words of like copy around undertones and shade really helps from with shade matching. So we had planned to do a big shoot and of course couldn't do that. So what we did instead was, we did a virtual shoot for all of our 48 shades of concealer and foundation. And we sent out a pack of the primer and the product and a ring light so that the lighting was at least, I mean, but like not a fancy, it was a clip on ring light so that the images were as similar as possible that we could get by doing it remote. And we told the individuals stand in front of a white wall and apply your makeup and take these types of shots. And we gave them examples But then what we got back was just awesome. It was great. So it was truly back to the accessibility of the brand and showing that anyone can do your makeup and you don't need to have professional lighting or a makeup artist. We were able to show that with our 48 Shades of Foundation. So we were able to get the content that we needed to help storytell around the different shades of foundation. (laughs) But then also it was a great story because it was, look at how easy this is to use. These individuals did this in their own home and took a picture And we lightly retouched around the back to make sure that the walls were consistent and that it still looked appropriate to be on Sephora.com. But you guys should should have like a hashtag for, you know how we have work from home? Now we need a beauty industry one for like photo shoot from home or something. Totally. Yeah, Yeah. we've been doing it. We were honestly, it was, that was one of the most fun things was to do this virtual shoot. Now at the time, would we have said that? Probably not. It was pretty yeah. stressful, but, but you know, it was, we made it through and it was great and we got these great assets and we learned a lot. And now we're trying to do as many of those virtual shoots as possible because we can show that this is really how people are applying the product. It's real. It's authentic. I guess my last question for you guys is, you know, and it's a controversial one, so apologize for that. But um, when you think about celebrity brands, there's obvious benefits, but then sometimes there's, you know, controversy on like, you know, is it authentic? Is it, you know, like what are the challenges and dynamics that come with that, especially in a day and age of like cancel culture where, you know, um, there's like a lot happening. I'm just curious to hear from you guys what that experience has been like and what the opportunity. Um, I think first and foremost, and Katie, let me know if you want a sidebar about this, Um, but I think, you know, our biggest internal worry, I think, because we all know that celebrity brands inherently people think, oh, it's um, a royalty deal, a sponsorship deal, or they're just looking for a fast cash grab. I mean, that was something that was on our minds from day one. And when we were going through this process with Selena, I mean, it was so clear that she herself is exactly who she comes across to be. You know, when we met her, we were like, she, there are no holes to poke because she is exactly who she is. Um, How she speaks, she's filterless, I would say. You know, if she wants to talk about her mental health struggles in a conversation on, I think she did an Instagram live early in um, the pandemic with Miley Cyrus and talked so openly about the struggles that she's faced, you know, and we were all surprised that she was so open about it, but that's just how she is, you know? And so for us, when we were developing the brand, you know, obviously we were like, A, we need to be accepted into this industry and community as Selena, as really, you know, a founder representing, bringing to conversation, breaking down the, you know, the stereotypes and barriers of mental health, but also with good product, because a lot of people have doubt that a celebrity brand could have good product. And so first and foremost, we were like, hands down, we can't mess this up in terms of product, like the product has to perform. And it was important for Selena. And she was like, I need to get to know the beauty community, you know, that I'm not here to compete with them. I'm here to learn. She's not, she's never been one to be like, I'm a makeup artist or, you know, I'm this influencer that's going to, you know, 
overcrowd or anything like that. And so, you know, even when we went to launch, she had very intimate conversations with um, influencers that she respects and that respect her about, you know, what could she do given the grandiose reach that she has on her platform to bring, you know, awareness to what's happening in the beauty community. And so I don't know if I'm answering the question, but, you know, from the get go, it was really about coming into the community from a place of respect, not of competition, and really understanding the community itself and getting to know the influencers and really leading with mission and product, I would say. Yeah. I mean, I, I, here's the thing that I think the fact of the matter is Selena's intentions are good and she set out to do this. Her mission is to create a safe, welcoming space and beauty and beyond. And that's what she's doing. That's what we're doing. So there will always be naysayers, but we're staying the course because it's like cookies made with love. They taste better. And with rare beauty, this is our intentions are pure and what Selena wants to do. We are helping bring her vision to life and we're just doing what we the best we can to do that. I love that cookies made with love. So on to the next part of our show, we're going to hit the pan where we get to know a little bit more about Katie and Joyce on a personal level. Every business has at least one big pivotal moment. The moment when you say, okay, we're at this turning point, so then what? I'm Lahari Neil Peretti, founder of LN Accounting Advisor. I hope you'll join me each week on my podcast, Then What? As we talk with successful business leaders who push past their business's biggest then what moments and succeed in an even bigger way because of effective leadership and solid business practices. It's inspiring and deeply useful information for any entrepreneur. Subscribe to Then What on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find the best podcasts. And now it's hitting the pan. So we are back with Joyce and Katie Welch of Rare Beauty, and we are going to hit the pan. To figure out who gets to ask the first question, I'm going to take a spin of this launcher, and it lands on April. All right. So the blush conversation got me thinking. Obviously, beauty and makeup specifically is an amazing accessory. So what are both of your favorite accessories that are not makeup so Joyce you have I can see your amazing glasses but I'm curious is it a pair oh, of shoes thank you. is it a piece of jewelry is it what's your favorite accessory that you feel like makes any outfit that you're wearing I would say it's my glasses um I've become you know the first 30 years of my life I didn't wear glasses at all. I wore them maybe at night. And then all of a sudden, because I'm like in my computer on an Excel spreadsheet all day, then it became, I had to wear them all the time. And I just went for some big glasses. And now it's just become synonymous with who I am that if I don't wear them, people are freaked out. Do you know when you were like a kid and you saw a teacher that wore glasses and then took them off or like a teacher outside of the classroom and you were just like startled at who this person was? I literally get those reactions. And so I'm just like happy that for the last decade, like glasses have been like a big trend and I just keep getting bigger. They just take up more space on my face, but they're my favorite and pretty much only accessory. I'm not a big jewelry person, I would say. And especially with COVID, I'm literally wearing sweatpants every day. So the glasses are like the one big fancy thing that I have, I would say. I love it. Well, they look amazing on you. So. Oh, thank you. I mean, Karen knows knows that the glasses are a great accessory. Yes. Karen's the queen of glasses as well. Yes. Totally. The queen. I mean, if we were alive, I'd make us do like a glasses swap, but I would love next time another day. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So what about you, Katie? No, don't judge me the way I look now because I'm going this weekend, but I think the best accessory is a good haircut. Very true. You can never take it off. You can never take it off. And when someone told me good one, I like my that. Career, like the best accessory is a good haircut. Make sure you in, in, invest or not invest. You don't have to, to whomever find the right haircut for you. 
Agreed. And boy, has it taken me a while to find those. (laughs) (laughs) Who cuts your hair? Her name's Nora Mercado at Mercado Hill in Beverly Hills. Very nice. So we'll take another spin at the salon chair, and it lands on Abby. Okay, I don't know. I've been thinking what would be really fun to ask. I'm I'm headed into LA land. I miss being in LA so much. You have no idea I'm there all the time. And I haven't been since, you know, actually the last time I was in LA was right before COVID hit. I was at the Oscars or some, one of those shows. I'm thinking about, I have this thing in my head. I don't know why about food trucks. What are your favorite food trucks in LA? I don't know why that's just popping into my head. Oh gosh. Um, mine is, <laughs> I know because I eat a lot. Um, I would have to say I have two. So Roy Choi started the food truck movement with the Kogi truck. I'm Korean. So, um, I love Korean food and to see, you know, a Korean chef just, uh, start a revolution. I think it's cool. And it's still one of my go-to, you know, food trucks. And I also love a food truck. It's called Mariscos Jaliscos. They have like seafood. Jonathan Gold, who did a bunch of reviews on LA restaurants who passed away a few years ago, founded this food truck. It's like in Boyle Heights, I believe. And it's this tiny food truck, but the line is so long and they have ceviche and like shrimp tacos. And it's so, so yummy. So I would say those two are my faves. Sounds good. Katie, we can switch that question. (laughs) What's your favorite ice cream? I don't want to stress you out. You got a lot oh, of ice cream. I have an ice cream. Wait, a whole new, a Wait, whole new woman. Oh, what? Okay, I do like. There's a there's a grilled cheese food truck, but I just can't oh. think of what the name of it is. That's okay. I'm, I'm not going to be in LA next time. I'm in LA. You'll find it. I'm I'll not coming so soon. And then the um for ice cream, there's a serendipity. Gosh, this just seems so branded, but it's not it's serendipity. Cool. It's like from New York. There's a serendipity brand. A serendipity flavor called Cookies and Cream Remix that Selena actually did with um, her her single. Uh, it came out during her single ice cream, but it's delicious. Yeah, yeah. Wait, that. she did an ice cream. She did an ice cream. Yeah, yeah she, she did. Are you kidding? A, That's so funny. She I didn't did know a that song called Ice Cream with Blackpink from the group from the K-pop group, and they uh-huh. did a collaboration with Serendipity. And I have to tell you, Katie, we all got this not even Free example full size thing of this ice cream. <laughs> That ice cream was so good. And I'm not it's even an ice so cream fan. Good. Neither it's so good. It's so good. Okay. It's, yeah. It's Cookies and Cream it. Remix. It's Serendipity brand. You can get it. At- mm, okay. <laughs> we could use some ice cream right now. But it's really delicious. It's Cookies really good. Yeah. Yeah. So we're taking another spin at the salon chair. And it lands on Selena. Just kidding. It lands on me. Okay. So um, (laughs) I love the mission behind the brand. I think it's just so incredible and such a timely time where a lot of people are struggling with mental health and sometimes people aren't aware and, and things like that. So I'm curious what you've learned in working with these organizations and just learning more about mental health itself that might be helpful for our listeners to know. Oh, that's a great question, Karen. Well, there's a few things. I, we've learned a ton, man. The one thing that's really interesting to me, and I actually want to, we want to do something with it in a few months, is how much your words matter. What's interesting, that what, one thing I've learned is how much your words matter. We recently did a training with NAMI for our senior leadership team as part of being, we're a stigma-free company. And one thing that they taught us mm. was that watching when we say words like crazy or psycho, and how much we throw those around. And it hit me. I, we say those words all the time, flippantly, without even thinking. But if someone, whether themselves or a loved one mm-hmm. or a friend, is going through something or has a mental health condition, that word has a different definition and a different meaning. And it's pre- that was pretty powerful for me to learn. Totally. Yeah, I say, you know, that's insane or... That's bonk. Like just things that seem so not harmful, but then to hear that and just internalize that and think, wow, you know, words are so, you know, incredibly um, strong and how they affect people. Yeah, that was definitely a huge takeaway for sure. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. I feel like that's good content for everyone and all companies and people yeah. in general. You know, that's what was true. also a, a good thing. So when we launched Stigma Free Initiative, 
so we launched, we had a partnership with, with NAMI and they have this initiative where they do just that. They help companies become stigma free and it's teaching just not only the senior leaders, but all people within the, within the company um, to help break down stigmas of within mental health. And we reached out to different beauty brands because we wanted to share the information that we're learning, that we're doing with other beauty brands, not in a self-serving way, not in a way that asks them to, to, to give money, but truly for the greater good. And so we, we created this pledge. It was a beauty industry pledge. And we had an incredible response. Josie Marin emailed right away and said, oh my God, I love this. We're doing this. Um, we had So we had Josie Marin, Kopari, Urban Decay. But we did this initiative and, and all we did then from there was introduce them to, to NAMI and make them aware of what NAMI's doing. And it's up to them to take it from there, but it's been really incredible to see the response. And, you know, that is totally in line with what Selena wants to do to make a difference within the industry. So it's not only things that we can do for our community, for our employees, but then for the industry at large. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, you guys are building community in so many ways, both, you know, with your yeah, congratulations, the very health, exciting. You know, love your messaging even within the industry. So that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing um, your guys' story with us. It's it's been really great. Thank, thank you. For, thank so you much. so much. Thank, thank you. Thank you for inviting us. We're a big fan. Yes. So oh, so great having you guys. What's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with each of you? You can DM me on my Instagram, which is basically just pictures of my dog, food, and um, my husband, and ridiculous shenanigans, and Selena, of course, in Rare Beauty, but it's at Joycey Grossy, J-O-Y-C-E-Y-G-R-O-S-S-E-Y, nod to never been kissed, at Josie Grossy. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Love that. I love that so much. I'm at Katie Welch across all platforms, K-A-T-I-E-W-E-L-C-H. Uh, except for TikTok is Katie Welch underscore. And I very embarrassingly put myself out there on TikTok. I've been thinking a lot about mentorship and getting new faces and new voices into the beauty industry. And I thought about how did I, how did I find out that this is a career? I didn't grow up in New York or LA. I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. I went to college in Ohio, but I met a woman when I was 19 who was, had a career in beauty. But had I not met her, I would never have known that this was a career path. And so I thought, you know, I would love to do that. How can I pull it forward? And how can I start to explain what the beauty industry is all about, how to find jobs? Because you don't have to be a makeup artist to be in the beauty industry. There's so many different career paths that no one's really talking about. And so that's, if we talk about it and we show the context of what the different paths are, maybe we can get all sorts of different faces and voices in the industry. So that's a wonderful idea. What'd you do? I started a TikTok account. <laughs> What'd you do? Yeah. And I started a TikTok account. And I will tell you that I have 14 different, like so many different versions of myself trying to do this, but I'm putting myself out there. So stay tuned for more. I have, I had someone help me because basically I'd like to answer people's questions about the beauty industry and how they can get into it. Because again, had I not met someone in college I wouldn't have known. I think that's amazing. Yeah. Good for you. So wish me luck. Good luck. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. She gave us two good tips, ice cream and her TikTok. There you go. I might regret saying that out loud. Not the ice cream, the TikTok. It's okay. Well, Joyce and Katie, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Beauty is Your Business. Um, It was really great to have you and your story was really incredible so great to hear about your own personal stories as well. Also here with my co-host, April Franzino. Thank you. And Abby Wallach. So much fun. Great to meet you, ladies. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. And we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Hugs and kisses and pinches on the cheeks, too. This has been Beauty Is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2021. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at beautyisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you.